Yo, what's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. So I know you guys haven't heard my voice in a long time. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to say a long time, but a week. I usually don't miss a week, but I missed this past week. So I know you guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Um, so I know you guys haven't heard, heard my voice in a minute. I didn't do my top 10 list. I didn't break down week nine of the NFL season. NFL season's getting real good. We're getting to see the playoff picture. We're seeing some, we're seeing some familiar teams, some familiar faces back at the top of the standings. Um, so we got a lot to get into today. I'm not going to lie. We have a lot to get into today. Cam Newton going back to Carolina. I think that's a really good feel-good story. Cam, you know, he had a, a pretty decent showing. Uh, not too bad. Two touchdowns, one one through there, one on the ground uh, for Carolina as they beat the Cardinals. OBJ, obviously, OBJ in L.A. now. Um, so many, just so many overarching storylines to get to. Uh, but my apologies on the back on the front end my apologies for missing last week uh really busy but i'm back i'm back i'm back i'm back so you guys know how we give it up on a wednesday episode top 10 teams we 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 do this on a weekly basis when i pod we do this on a weekly basis top 10 nfl teams once again i reiterate i know some people they get mad uh you know so many people so like like you'd be surprised and i was very surprised that so many people take my top 10 list as serious as I do. Maybe not as serious as I do, but they take my top 10 list really seriously. And they and they hit me up about their teams. Like, why my team not in the top 10? And I'm like, your team is just not top 10 worthy. I just don't see them as a top 10 team. That's all. But but first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host. I mean, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Um, shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to if you're a regular listener. Shouts out to you if you are a regular listener of the pod. Big shout out to you if you are a first time listener of the pod. Continue to come back. I hope you come back. Um, shouts out to you if you just continue to come back to this episode or to this podcast. You uh, continuously download it, stream it, however you get it. You share it with a friend or two or three, maybe. Thank you. Big shout out to you guys. So, as I mentioned, week 10, we're getting, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're entering into this. This is one of my, this is some of my favorite time in times in the NFL, because now we're, we're in mid November. We, we kind of, we know who the good teams are. I think we have a general sense of, we know who the really good teams are in this league. Granted, the even the best of the best teams in this league so far this year have had some head scratching, mind boggling, surprising upset losses. Right? It, it happens. Any given Sunday, it happens. But now, and I talked about this a couple weeks back when I was evaluating both conferences as far as the playoff picture, and I, if I can recall correctly. I think the Cincinnati Bengals were the number one seed in the AFC. <laughs> I, th- I think the Raiders were were winning the AFC West. Um, Tennessee, they were winning games. Kansas City was in the hunt. New England was in the hunt. So there was like there was just a whole bunch just going on just a couple weeks ago. Now you fast forward two weeks later, two and a half weeks later, going into November. 
or we're midway through November. We're we're almost heading towards Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving football. That that kind of that gives us that halfway point. We're getting closer. That's that means we're getting inching. We're inching closer and closer to postseason football and so forth. But now you look at the AFC and what it looks like today. The AFC, the AFC juggernauts, I think, are back. I think the grown-ups of the AFC are back. Yeah, Cincinnati was a fun story. They're five and four now. Yeah, you know, the Chargers, I I, I like the Chargers. I, I like the Chargers a lot. And I like Justin Herbert a lot. I think they have done a, a great job. I like Brandon Staley. I think they're 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 heading in the right direction. But it's but now we have the mature, older coaches, the more seasoned teams with championship pedigree that knows what it takes to win postseason football, to win, you know, to win games late down the stretch of a season. They have you've now waken the beast. Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs, they've won three straight. The New England Patriots are now catching fire. The Buffalo Bills are starting to get back on track. We are now witnessing and we're now seeing the grown-ups of the AFC coming alive. We're seeing that now. We're witnessing it. And mind you, when Kansas City was going through its woes, like the first seven, eight weeks, right? Because last three games, they've been getting it going. They've, you know. And with this, this with this latest division game versus the Raiders, uh, which they they beat the Raiders forty one to fourteen pretty handily um, to take over the crown in the AFC West right now, you can tell. I think they're starting to get their groove back. And I can remember telling folks, I'm like, okay, you know, Patrick Mahomes is struggling, but but this is and it's so crazy. Patrick Mahomes was struggling. Andy Reid was struggling. We was having questions about the defense. Uh, you know, Spags. You know, I wasn't, and I wasn't even questioning, you know, Andy Reid or Spags. I was just pointing out what we were seeing, and I just went, I went more in depth into the X's and O's because it was quite obvious to see that Kansas City defensively just wasn't the same, even with their lack of talent and the lack of, you know, blue chippers that they may not have. Um, or blue chip players that they may not have. It, you could just tell there was just X's and O's and just so many hiccups just schematically where it, it was it was something that we haven't seen from Kansas City defensively. Even like over these past several years or past couple years, this run, quote unquote, that Kansas City's been on, right? We haven't we knew we know their defense wasn't the greatest. But we didn't see so many blunders and so many miscues and so many mishaps to this degree that we seen the first or that we saw from the first eight weeks. It's been tightened up a little bit. And then offensively, we know the running game hasn't been the same. Basically, if you want to be honest, if we're being honest about Kansas City's running game and their effectiveness with running the football, it hasn't been the same since Kareem Hunt left. And it hasn't been the same since their uh, Damian Williams left. Like they've 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 been struggling since those points, since they have lost those guys to get back on track with running the football and being able to run the football effectively. But over the last couple of weeks, 
I'm seeing more simplified offensive game plans, offensive uh, offensive schemes from Kansas City. Um, and it, it's not it's not too much. It, it felt sometimes it felt like sometimes they were forcing it. It felt like it felt like Patrick Mahomes was trying to make up for the defense's mistakes instead of just playing Kansas City football offensively. Um, and then, like I t- as I explained about Patrick Mahomes. He started off so hot in his first his first year starting was such an anomaly uh, anomaly and it was so crazy and he was just so good so early so quick we would just we 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 automatically just crowned him Jesus in football pads or Jesus in cliques and when we when we saw a subtle decline or a dip, not even decline, but dip in play, we were just ready to just blow up the world and just shoot nuclear bomb. Like, and no, as I explained, every quarterback, not not every all time great quarterback, every quarterback to play in the NFL have their ups and downs. They have their down spots. They have their dry spots. And to be particular about it. Every all-time great quarterback has had their 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 as I like to call it a year where you look back and like uh that was just a past year that was just a year where he just didn't have it. Every all-time great quarterback has it. Hell, some all-time great quarterbacks have stretches, and I mean when I mean by stretches, I mean by like years. They have years, seasons, plural s, where they weren't up to par at all. There's some all-time great there's some all-time great quarterbacks that have stretches of their career and years of their career where it was just like uh, he's great, but this is a bad three-year stretch. This is a bad three-year stretch. Every all-time great quarterback, there's some all-time great quarterbacks that have stretches like that. And the world was about to go berserk about Patrick Mahomes and his rough stretch. We were going crazy. The media was going crazy. The media, I've seen so many outlandish and burstful, burstful just things that were said about Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City in itself, but more so Patrick Mahomes. We're like, oh, my God, is he still a top-tier quarterback? Is he still elite? Like, I'm like, whoa, that came really quickly. <laughs> just after a couple games, <laughs> just after, just after, hey, a couple bad weeks, <laughs> We're we're ready to this. Oh, whoa, whoa! We're, what's happening? What, what's going on with the with the regression of Patrick Mahomes? And yeah, he was playing bad. I'm not gonna sit up here and say Mahomes wasn't playing up to par. Like, no, he was playing bad. He was playing bad. But it was like we were ready to this dethrone the earth because Patrick Mahomes. Like, it was just crazy. But then, so Kansas City's back on track. Then I have the New England Patriots getting back on track where they they got off to a one and three start to their season. And in, in typical and Belichick fashion, they could they get a couple wins versus some pretty bad teams like the Houston Texans and the New York Jets twice. And then that that's really what kind of jump starts their run or this run that they're currently on, where offensively we're seeing we're seeing the New England Patriots offense become a bit explosive. They're averaging twenty seven points per game. I think right now that that's that that's top ten in the league. I think that's top five in the league. 
So the Patriots, they, like we're seeing a side of them offensively that we have not seen from them in in a couple years now. Because offensively, even Brady's last year offensively, they weren't explosive. And then you look back at last year, obviously we know about the problems that they had with Cam Newton and the different quarterback situation. So it's been a couple years where since New England offensively have looked up to par explosively. And I think and I think that can be, you know, with them, I don't know. It, I think it's a little bit of Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones getting more comfortable, or I should say Josh McDaniels getting more comfortable with Mac Jones um, just over the course of the season. And then, you know, Mac Jones, I always have told you guys, you know, I never say he was going to be a bust. I, I don't think he's going to be – I don't ever think he's going to be like a top five or an elite type of guy, but he makes all the right plays. He doesn't turn over the football. He was pro-ready from the start, from the jump. Like, he he just he, – he, he answers a lot of – he checks a lot of the boxes that you need to be checked. Is he the most athletic? No. Does he have the, lively, the liveliest arm or the strongest arm? No. But he's dead spot-on accurate. And he and he continues to show his accuracy on a week in week out basis. So we're witnessing, and now Buffalo's getting back on track where they had a couple like a, a couple head scratching loss losses, but now they're getting back on track. So we have in the AFC. I think we have these are teams that will remain at the top as the season progresses and as with the season winds down and as the playoff picture starts to get a bit more clear I think teams like New England Kansas City Buffalo even Tennessee granted you know their best player in Derrick Henry is hurt right now he's out I think these are the teams we can really look at and and like really say these are the these are the top tier teams uh, and I'm not, and I'm not even saying Kansas City is the best out of all these teams, but I think it's fair to say that they are getting back on track, and it looks like we have signs of, or some reminiscent of the older of the old Kansas City Chiefs and New England getting back to doing New England type of things. I told you guys this before a couple weeks back. I said New England. I don't know how explosive they are. I think they do lack some explosiveness, but they do a lot of things right. And with doing a lot of things right, being excellent and well-coached defensively, and now, you know, they can actually do some things offensively. They're not as inept. They're scary. And then we all know about Buffalo and the talent that they have on both sides of the football where Buffalo, they're scary. So, yeah, I, I think the AFC, the, the AFC grown-ups have finally arrived. They have finally arrived. arrived and, um, yeah. Teams like Cincinnati and Cleveland and the Chargers, I like, I like those teams. I like those teams a lot. Um, but like I said, <laughs> the grown-ups are now here. Uh, Baltimore, they've been up and down. They've been, they've been fluctuating. You know, they've been in flux and that. You know, so we'll see how that plays out with with that with Baltimore. But the grown-ups of the AFC are now here. Uh, so let's shift gears. Let's shift gears to the NFC and what's happening out in the NFC and the other conference. Okay, so shifting to the NFC, you know what I've noticed um, over the last couple of weeks? 
I think we're now in a day and age, and I, you know, you guys know the, the old cliche, right? Of any given Sunday, any given Sunday, anything can happen. Any given Saturday, you say it in college football, but any given Sunday, anything can happen, right? And I think as I was describing, and you obviously you guys know I have my top 10 list that I'm going to do, that I'm going to get to. As I was talking about in the opening segment, I think we kind of know week 10 going in, going in after week 10 going into week 11 midway through November I think we have an we have a pretty good sense and idea of who the good teams are now I think there are some teams like for instance the Dallas Cowboys the Dallas Cowboys right now stand at seven and two I think um they stand at seven and two but they had they had kind of a a head scratching loss versus the Broncos. And if you let's go back and look at the game and the tape, it's like this isn't the same Cowboy team you saw the first six, seven weeks, eight weeks. And then you saw the and then you saw what they can do versus Atlanta, where they just they it wasn't even close versus Atlanta. The game was over at, after the first quarter versus Atlanta. So it I think, and I'm looking at the Rams struggle right now where they, I, I, in, in my account, this is probably the worst two-week stretch I have ever seen a Rams team under Sean McVay. This is probably the worst two-week stretch that I have seen his teams play. Um, so they're going through their little their their hardships right now with some roster adjustments and acquisitions and you know some injuries that they're facing right now. And overall. I think we're like I said. I think we're in a day and age in the NFL where we have there's 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 particular weeks within the season where a lot of weird stuff just happens. Where and I, when I say weird, I mean like the results of a lot of these games are just some like just we like. And I think we saw it a little bit last week where the Cowboys laid the egg and. Green Bay had lost to Kansas City. Granted, now granted, Aaron Rodgers didn't play, but Green Bay was just completely inept offensively. Um, the Rams last week laid the egg versus the Titans. They did it again versus the 49ers. Um, the Cardinals, we know the Cardinals are a really good team. And grant, like I said, granted, they don't have Kyla Mary, but they laid the egg versus Carolina. So I think from a week-to-week basis, I think we're now in the league where we have to be able to depict what particular teams we take serious. And that's why I use the Cowboys, because I think the Cowboys is such a good example, where even, even the week one loss versus Tampa, the week one loss versus Tampa the Cowboys played a really good game. They played well enough to win that football game. You can make an argument that they probably should have won that football game because they played they they played that good. They forced four four turnovers. They 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 were moving the ball offensively. Uh, they would get they would give them up and down the field on Tampa, and they made Tampa uncomfortable a little bit offensively. So they they played well enough to win that football game. But from that point on, up until the Broncos' loss, the Cowboys played really good football they played some really good games so i think it's up to us to really do we take a seven to eight week sample size and judge the team or judge the team that we've been seeing or do we take that one week sample size where 
kind of weird. The Broncos, you know, out of the conference, they're struggling. They're desperate for a win. And they come in, and they they do. They go into Dallas, and they beat Dallas humbly. They they beat Dallas humbly, and I think Dallas needed that. But it's, I think I saw so many people after the Cowboys loss, I saw so many people just completely, oh, my God, this Cowboys game. Uh, oh my! Oh my goodness! Here we go again, and it's like, uh, wait, wait a second! No, 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 no! I think this. I still think this Cowboy team is legit. I still think that you look at their portion, their first seven, eight games, they played tremendous football. They played great games all the way through. Then they had one stumble, and and then they come back the following week and they kill Atlanta. And I think the same could go for the Rams. Now the Rams. They're more in the spotlight over the. They've been more in the spotlight just in general, because it's the. And, and I'm not saying more in the spotlight than the Cowboys, because the Cowboys are in the spotlight themselves. But we're picking. We're because now I see the same thing. We're nitpicking with the Rams. Now I am going to say this, and this has been proven about a, about Sean McVay's teams. I love Sean McVay. You guys know I think Sean McVay. He is an offensive mastermind and probably the best young offensive mind in football. Period. I think I think I think Sean McVay, when it comes to play designing, um, you know, being able to involve certain guys, I think that's a big reason why Odell chose the Rams. I think I think a big reason because of that is because of Sean McVay and how innovative and how creative his mind is offensively. I think that's a big reason why why Odell chose the Rams. But needless to say, it's been proven time again that if you can get physical and match the Rams' physicality up front, you can beat them. And we all know about the about the crazy stat about Sean McVay. I think he's like forty one. Uh, uh, you know, the Rams are forty one and zero under Sean McVay when they have a lead going into halftime. Well, how do you prevent that? You control the tempo of the game, and you control the line of scrimmage. And we saw Tennessee do that a little bit. Tennessee also forced some turnovers. Matthew Stafford didn't play the greatest, but they were able to control time possession and have great field position. And then we saw a little bit with, with the 49ers. The 49ers, granted, very desperate for a win. The 49ers have underachieved this season, but they are at heart. The 49ers are very much a physical football team, and a lot of it starts up front on both offensive line and defensive line. And they they handled they they smacked around the Rams. So the Rams, you know, they're physical. The Rams are, I'm not saying the Rams are not a physical football team, but I think, and you can and you can go back and date this back to the, the 2018 Super Bowl with versus New England. New England just got physical. They they played bump and one coverage, man coverage, two safety deep over the top, and they got physical up front with the with the Rams. And that's what you know. Jared Goff couldn't handle that. Belichick and Brian Flores, just the 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 the, 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 the just the defensive scheme and the game plan that they came up with, it was too much for Sean to for Jared Goff himself to just overcome. Too much, too much. Because basically, in that Super Bowl. They forced Jared Goff to make plays with his arm. And Jer- obviously, we all know small hands Jared Goff just was inept and not capable of doing that in that type of moment. And it's okay. But time and time again, my main point is the Rams, you can beat the Rams 
if you're physical up front, if you can if you can outman them and out physical them, they're very much finesse. They can get physical, but they're very much finesse offensively. That's the way Sean McVay rolls. Now, I'm not trying to make an excuse for the Rams uh, back-to-back losses, but do take this into account. Consider this. They 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 they're they're running they're short at the running back position. They lack they lack depth at the running back position. They've been getting some pretty good production from that position, but they still lack depth. Therefore, um, like I said, you can out physical, outman them. You can you have a chance versus the Rams. Don't let them get a lead going into halftime though, because they won't lose. Um, and then I'm looking at, I'm just I'm looking towards the Rams. You add they added OBJ, they added Von Miller, they activated those guys this week. I think the the Rams by week couldn't have come at a better time. This will give them time to acclimate and get Odell Beckham adjusted to the system, especially Odell, because this, uh, like defensively, the Rams still lead the league in sacks uh, with twenty nine. So getting to the quarterback isn't necessarily a problem. And Von Miller's a pass rusher. Von Miller's a smart guy. He he grab onto it. He he grab onto the defense fairly quick. Not to say that Odell can't grab onto the offense quickly, but I know Sean McVay and the offense. It's it's a scheme. It's a it's a complicated scheme. But I think Odell will be able to have the opportunity to flourish under Sean McVay because I think I just have that most I just have that much confidence in Sean McVay that he will find a way to get Odell back on the football and let him play make and do what he does best in open space. But the the Rams bye week at this moment couldn't have come at a better time. Get healthy, get some new get some new guys acclimated. They also it's important to note that they also lost Robert Woods. So it's kind of like, okay, they're they're gaining more, but they also lost a really impactful and, you know, productive receiver in, in Robert Woods. So Odell's number will definitely be, you know, he's definitely going to get called more often now, even more. So I think that's just that. Even the Buccaneers, now I think the Buccaneers' problems, I don't know. I feel like... Tampa, talent. We know, like all three of these teams are talented. Cowboys, Rams, Buccaneers. We all know three. All three of them are talented, but the Buccaneers, they're for some reason. I don't know. What, I don't know for what reason, but their issues worry me a bit more than like the Cowboys or the Rams because they have secondary issues and some of their guys aren't healthy, but just some of their guys are just not playing up the par. Uh, Vita Veda up front. We know how impactful Vita Veda is up front. He got hurt. And speaking of their front seven, their front four is just not generating as much pressure as they usually do. Now, they had, like I said, they had a mind, they had like a head scratching loss versus the Washington football team. Right. But I don't know how I don't I don't know how to really look at Tampa right now. They also miss on offense. They're also missing A. B. and Gronkowski. Uh, Brady is a Tom. Tom is a creature. He's a creature of habit, and Tom love his security blankets. And I think A. B. Granted, the talent is still there without those guys, but I think Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. He they're, they're more 
they're more security blankets for Brady. Obviously, we know about the Gronkowski and Brady connection. Um, but then a- Antonio Brown. It's a reason why Tom Brady continues to fight and stick his neck out there for, for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is that speedy slot receiver that Brady has always loved. Antonio Brown is is Brady and ten, like he's Brady's Julian Edelman in Tampa Bay. It's just that Antonio Brown is just like way better. That's all. Way talented. That's all. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So that that is the NFC right now. Um, and I talk and like I said, I talked about Odell and uh on the last episode <clears throat> about what I thought. With, with you know how that would end with Cleveland, and I'm not surprised that Odell found himself in LA. <laughs> I've always, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, I've always told you guys, Odell feels like a big city, and Odell felt like he was bigger than Cleveland. I never thought his personality matched in Cleveland, and I told you guys. Odell Beckham won't finish his career in Cleveland because I don't know. I just never thought he fit Cleveland. I never thought his personality fit Cleveland. And the, and and just looking at the direction that the Cleveland Browns were going, I didn't think Odell fit with that with what they would wanted what they wanted to do. Even under Freddie Kitchens, I didn't think Odell really fit what they wanted to do. And then especially when they hired Kevin Stefanski. When they hired Kevin Stefanski, I can remember coming on my podcast and saying, okay, this is going to be interesting because Kevin Stefanski, if you know anything about Kevin Stefanski in his days in Minnesota, he runs the football. He incorporates the run game first and foremost. That is his, that is his top priority, running the football, getting his running backs touches. And to, to Cleveland's point to Cleveland's credit uh per se it's worked out you know last year it really worked out they're five they're sitting at five and five right now so you know they're mediocre but you're looking at their personnel strong offensive line with with with, with behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb it makes sense that they hired Kevin Stefanski but I just knew I just knew that that wasn't going to be the best thing for Odell Beckham that wasn't going to be the best thing for Odell Beckham and I proved it proved my I proved myself right um about that and I always told you guys I thought Odell was always very much Hollywood LA big market showstopper I always thought he was that box office box office appeal but that is that. I think Odell, like I said, I had the utmost confidence in Sean McVay. I still think Odell Beckham, when he's given the opportunity, I still think he he can be a really dynamic playmaker in this league. Um, and, you know, I think he'd be beneficial to the Rams in their offense. So I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to go uh, after this quick break. I'm going to go and do I'm going I'm to do my top 10. I, my top 10 that I know you guys have been waiting on. For the last couple of weeks, it's new. It's revised. I got some new teams, some teams up there higher. I'm bringing back some familiar faces. So this should be pretty interesting. Okay. I think this is probably uh, this is probably my favorite segment. Favorite segment, top 10 teams. I take this serious. As, and as I told you guys, there are some people that take this. Not, I don't know if they take it as, much, as serious as I do, but they take my list pretty serious. So um, 
And I could tell they take it serious because they hit me up. Like, oh, you need to put my team on the list. I'm like, oh, your team is bad. Not, come, on. <laughs> come on. Your team is not a top 10 team. But um, you guys know how we get down. Wednesday episode, I give my top 10 teams. It's a weekly list. This is top 10 teams after week 10 going into week 11. Obviously, like I said, it's a weekly list. It is bound to change. But I think I feel very comfortable and strong about some about, uh, about most of these teams, really. Um, I do have some question marks, obviously, but about most of these teams, I feel pretty confident about where I have them at, at the, on this list as of right now, as of today. Um, so let's start at the top. At number 10, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Now, despite the ugly loss versus the Dolphins, Lamar is still playing at a pretty high level. I think that's what still gives them a chance. But boy, oh boy, they 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 sometimes Baltimore can look so inept offensively. It's just hard to watch. And as much as we like the praise, and, and I love Lamar. You guys know I love Lamar. I give him the mo- the utmost respect, and I show, and I and, and I think I try. I, I at least I, I I acknowledge the fact that he improves. People don't like to acknowledge the fact that he improves as a thrower, but just because he's improving as a passer doesn't mean he's an elite passer. It irks my nerves when I hear people say Lamar Jackson is an elite passer. No, he's not. He's an improving passer. He's a pretty good passer. He's a good enough passer, but he is not an elite thrower of the football. Simple as that. Elite throwers of the football is like Mahomes, Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Those are elite throwers, passers of the football. But I regress. Lamar is playing. He's playing. He's playing, you know, throughout the entirety of the season. Lamar is carrying this football team. And this is this is my problem Too Lamar dependent Too Lamar dependent. They got a lot of injuries receiving core still 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 trying to find its way. Um, I think Baltimore is a good enough team to win their mediocre division. Uh, Their division is very mediocre from top to bottom. I think they're still good enough because they have the best player in the division. But, yeah, I think, yeah, they have the best player in the division, I think. So I think that'll get them by. But I just see too many holes in their secondary. Um, Their secondary has regressed. On to number nine. At number nine, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I may have them a little too low. Maybe I could have them a bit higher, but it's only three straight wins. And let's put these let's let's put these wins in perspective. They squeak by the Giants, who are miserable. They they squeak by the Jordan Love Packers. And now I'm not gonna say squeak by, but it was a it was a fairly competitive game up until the end. Now, granted, they did win both of those games, but then they had a convincing role division win versus the Raiders to get back to get back at the top of the AFC West. So that was re- that win versus the Raiders was really was really vital to me in, in my ranking with them. Um, I was very close to putting them at eight, but the reason why I can't put them at eight is because I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at eight. Um, the Buccaneers at eight, uh, I, I feel like they have been more consistent than Tampa Bay this year. Um, both teams have had their highs and lows, um, but I feel like Tampa Bay, I, I feel like Kansas City's lows have been lower than Tampa, and that's why I have Tampa at eight. But as I mentioned already, gr- 
Tom Brady is a nature. He's a he's a creature of habit. He's a creature of habit, and he's missing his security blankets. He's missing AB, and he's missing um, Ron Gronkowski. So, so overall, I think that's where a bit of the offense like takes a, a dip a little bit when those guys aren't there because I think the Buccaneers, without AB, I think they're like one in five. This is dating back to last year. To like, I think they're like one in they're like one in three, one in four without Antonio Brown. The reason, the reason for that, I mean, the only reason why I can really think of that is because Brady loves his speed, speedy slot receivers. That is the role that Antonio Brown plays. Um, and then overall, sloppy performances by Tampa Bay. You know, I I talked about this a lot last year with Bruce Arians. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians, he's the he, we all know, and, and he's won the Super Bowl, so we can't really knock him for it as much as we used to. But Bruce Arians is that guy, no risk it, no biscuit. He's a player-friendly guy, he's the type of guy. Happy hour, like like he he's that guy. he's that type of guy. So I see a lot of sloppy performances from Tampa Bay, um, and their secondary continues to struggle even though they have some injuries that they're battling. Um, at number seven, I have the L.A. Rams. Now, no need to worry. I think the Rams after this bye week, once they get their once they get their key acquisitions acclimated to their system and to their team, I think the Rams will be just fine. Um, but I, like I, I must admit. This is probably the worst two-week stretch I have seen from a Sean McVay-led Rams team. The worst two-week stretch. An embarrassing home home loss versus the Tennessee Titans. And then I saw them go on the road versus go up the road and play the 49ers and just get smacked around for four quarters. So physically, you can can physically out-dominate the Rams. Um, I still think they're a really good football team. I still think could this team play in the Super Bowl and host? Us? Yes, I I think I still think they're that good. But as of right now, I have to put them at seven because this is the worst two week stretch that I have seen from a Sean McVay coach team by the Rams. At number six, I have to put the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the reason why I have them at number six is because now, granted, they've won a game and they have lost a game without Kyler Murray. Here's where my issue comes into play. I, I we know Arizona is a good fo- we know they're a good football team, but they have no Kyler. They have other key injuries. They're just missing some guy. They're missing other guys. They're just missing too many guys for me to properly rank them. I have I, like I gotta put them in the top ten because they're they're still a really good team, but with no Kyler. Especially, it's just very hard for me to rank them. We know they're a good team, but I this is this is where I just I don't know where to put them at at this moment. But the Cardinals also here's another thing: Kyler Murray, he got hurt last year. He's hurt again this year. He probably won't play next week or this upcoming week. I, I think that there's some red flags here. If you, like I told you guys, the all-time great quarterbacks, they stay healthy. Brady, Mahomes, like, Roger, they stay healthy. They stay healthy. Russell Wilson, uh, until this year, they stay healthy. Kyler, he got hurt last year. He got hurt this year. Is the play style taking a toll on him? He's not the biggest guy, staturally. So, uh, I don't know. But this is where I have the Cardinals at, at six. Okay, going into my top five. At number five, 
I have the Buffalo Bills. I have to put the Buffalo Bills at number five. Now, I, I now ultimately, I think the Bills looking at their looking at their overall roster. I, I told you guys this. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to say it. I think the Bills probably probably are the best team in um in in the NFC. If 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 they have their 22 fully healthy, fully ready to go, and they're at their best, I think they're probably the best team in the AFC. Um, I'm looking at what they can do defensively. Uh, they can rush the quarterback a little bit better than they did in previous years. And then offensively, they still struggle offense on the offensive line. The offensive line could be a bit inconsistent, uh, which leads to the inconsistency in the running game. But the Bills, they are very much um, – they, they have a killer instinct about them where, like, if they smell blood in the water, they attack you. They attack you. And they kill you. They go for the kill. So I like that about the Bills. Like I said, once again, I'm going to continue to reiterate it. They kind of scare me with the unvaccinations not being vaccinated. They, 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 they scare me. But I'm still going to have them at number five because I still think when healthy with their 22, I think they're arguably, if not the best team in the AFC. At number four. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I got to put the Patriots at number four. I have to. Um, they're winning, they're winning, they're winning at a rate at a, like their point differential is crazy. Uh, Mac Jones, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I think Mac Jones, his ceiling is a little bit high. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe his ceiling is a bit higher than what I thought over the past four weeks. Guess who has the higher, highest passer rating in football at all on, among all quarterbacks? Not that, not Dak Prescott, not Matthew Stafford. It's Mac Jones. Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones. He he's really doing the thing. And I, I got to be honest with you guys. I saw Mac Jones make some throws this past weekend. They were phenomenal throws. They were they were phenomenal throws. He's put he's put he's. I always told you guys this. Pro ready, smart, doesn't turn over the football. It's deadly accurate, and his ball placement is really good. His ball placement is really good. Not really the not really the most athletic. Doesn't have the most livelier like the liveliest arm, but he's leading this New England team. I think the big difference with the Patriots that I'm see, or that I was questioning was how explosive can they be offensively? Defensively, I told you guys the Patriots do every, like when, with good teams they check a lot of the boxes. They can run the football. They can protect their quarterback. They have a decent offensive line. They have great play calling on both sides of the ball with offense with Josh McDaniels. They have a. We obviously know what they can do defensively with Bill Belichick and something their personnel that they have. They do a lot of things right, and those things that they do well, it travels on the road. They they're, they're disciplined. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're, they barely shoot themselves and and like kill themselves. Like they don't do that. So. I look at New England. I think they're very dangerous uh, as of right now. I think they're very dangerous. I got them at four. Um, Mac Jones is playing some great football right now, and and I'm not I'm not really surprised at what I'm seeing. It's it's the mere fact that he has this offense ex- like explosive, and they don't even have like explosive playmakers on the outside, but he has them looking explosive. They're averaging 27 points per game. That's really good. Uh, so Patriots at number four. At number three, I have to put the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Green Bay Packers, yes, at number three. Uh, obviously they lost to Kansas City this pat last week, but then they come back this week and beat the Seattle Seahawks. Pretty impressive victory. 
not really the prettiest, um, but a good victory. They held the Seahawks to zero, zero points. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has won his last eight starts. Uh, Green Bay is clicking. I still have my questions about a second option on the perimeter outside of Devontae Adams, but Green Bay is, is uh, very much a really good football team, solid. And number two, I got to put the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I told you guys I- I'm not going to let that one loss phase me about the Denver Broncos uh, or two the Denver Broncos. I think the Cowboys are still legit. You look at what they have. They have playmakers. You need playmakers in this league. The Cowboys literally, and, 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 and think about this, be open-minded. The Cowboys literally have no holes offensively. When healthy, they have no holes offensively. They have a, a strong offensive line, really good offensive line when healthy. They they have a, a quarterback in Dak Prescott who right now has, I can't, who has a better MVP case up until this point than Dak Prescott? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Then I have two really good running backs in Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott that both they both bring something totally different. And then I look at the receiving core. Obviously, we know about the dynamic bunch of you know CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, but also look at a guy like Cedric Wilson, who's just really good and dynamic. Um, and then their tight end group is pretty good. So, like the Cowboys offensively, they don't lack anything. Um, and then defensively, they're matching up the par. The defense, I can't wait to see what they look like with the Marcus Lawrence coming back really soon. Um, Randy Gregory obviously has been playing tremendous football. He's staying on track um, as far as like on the off the field issues and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, Trayvon Diggs called another pick this past weekend. So, like, I like what Dallas has. I think they're very much at they're they're as good and as dangerous as any team in the NFC as of right now today. And then at number one, I have to put the Tennessee Titans. I don't know how long they stay here, but the Titans, they continue to win football games. And we don't we talk about the the cool young coaches, Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and Sean McDermott. But Mike Vrabel, he's a tough guy, tougher than a $2 steak. His team is tough. They're physical. The Titans defense is better than what I, what I thought it would be. So and they continue to win football games. Some way, somehow, the Titans just find a way to continue to scrap out and win football games. So I have to have them at my number one list. This is my top 10. I gave you guys a pretty deep, some deep details as to why I had certain teams where I had them, uh, just based off the fact that I missed last week. Um, so there's some new teams that have entered the chat. Uh, but without further ado, I think this is going to wrap it up. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. This is my weekly top 10 list. We do this on a weekly basis. This is bound to change. But this, I feel pretty comfortable about this list. I think this is really a really good list. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, yeah, come back. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you're a first-time listener, I hope you come back and join us. Again, but with always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace. Deuces.